Welcome to the Hope on the Way podcast with Father John Ahmed. John is the bishop of the Interdenominational Order of Missioners of the Holy Spirit, and he's the founder of Hope on the Way Ministries. Now, join Father John and discover hope and relevant answers in following Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. All right, we are looking at Matthew 14 today where Jesus takes five loaves and two fish and He multiplies them to feed 5,000 men besides women and children. And in verse 20, starting in verse 20 of Matthew 14, the Gospel says that they all ate and were satisfied. They were satiated. They didn't go away hungry. They were completely filled up. And they were so satiated, they were so filled up that they just couldn't eat anymore because it says the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Over the years in my ministry, I've come across people who are looking for a new church home and one of the common things that I've heard is they'll tell me that I just wasn't getting fed in my old church. In fact, I have to be a little bit honest here, and there's been a couple times over the course of my many years in, in ministry that people have told me they're going to look for a different church because they just weren't getting fed anymore. And I think the typical pastoral response is that they're just kind of complainers, that they're just sort of carnal people that are just sort of gluttons, and they're just interested in what they can get from church. But I think that's a rather cynical view because it happens so often. I think many people who have told me that they aren't getting fed in church, I think that so many of you who are who are fed up with church or you're looking for a new church home, that you are sincere. You really genuinely feel like you're not getting fed. And I can tell you that it's sad. It's sad. You'll agree with me. It's sad when you see children on television who don't have enough to eat and they're hungry. I can tell you, I've seen that firsthand as I travel to the developing world. I've seen children who only get one meal a day. It's super sad. But I would want to suggest to you that as I've thought about this issue, people not getting fed, it's broken my heart. Because as a pastor, as a shepherd of the, the church of God, to see the sheep feel as if they're, they're hungry, they're not getting fed. It's heartbreaking. And I've thought about this issue, and I, I really think for at least here in the West, the problem is really not that you're not getting fed, but that you're not being satisfied. That you're not being satiated. When in verse 20, Jesus fed the 5,000, it says that they were satisfied. They were satiated they left full. And so I really think that's the issue here. Is that for whatever reason, so many, and maybe it's you as well, 
are sincere, you're genuine, there's nothing sinful about you, there's nothing really super carnal about you, is that you leave, you leave your Sunday worship service experience and you're not satiated. That's a common, common issue. You don't feel full. So today I want to just look at how to feed on Jesus and be satisfied. How to feed on Jesus and be satisfied. And so I think in the issues of the, of the church is that it can be a problem is that people aren't getting the nourishment they needed and they're not getting satiated. And the first thing you need to do, the first thing you need to understand about how to feed on Jesus and be satisfied is you have to, you have to stand on Christ's promise of satisfaction, satiation. That's the number one thing. You gotta claim this. You gotta believe it. You have to understand it. It has to become part of who you are. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be what? Satisfied, satiated, full. They shall be filled. That's an unconditional promise in scripture. That those who hunger and thirst after righteousness will indeed be satiated. So you gotta stand on that. You gotta claim that. If we were to compare the kingdom of God to a diner, for instance, Jesus' country diner, I think the slogan would be, come hungry, leave full. Do you come hungry on Sundays or Saturdays or whatever day you worship the Lord in church? Do you come hungry? If not, if not, why? Why? I think there's so many who come to church and they leave unsatisfied because they come full. And there are a lot of reasons why folks come to church full rather than hungry. And be quite honest, I don't have time today to go through all of them, but there's one that I would really like to explore. And this one reason that people don't come hungry to church, they come full, is because they ate before they came to church. Have you ever ate before you went out to dinner and you really weren't that hungry? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it happens occasionally. You just can't wait. And so I think there are a lot of people today who leave church with a feeling of being unsatiated because they come to church full. And I want this to be a very honest exposition today. And I want to be the first to say that today in popular media, there is a lot of excellent Christian teaching. Now think about a hundred years ago. Well, we've got to go further back than that. Let's say 150 years ago. If you wanted to, 150 years ago, get some excellent Bible teaching, where would you go? Where could you go? Really about the only place is to church. Or perhaps revival, I mean, because it wasn't even radio. But with the advent of radio, you could hear some excellent Bible teachers on the radio and 
During the Jesus movement, I mean, we love to listen to Pastor Chuck Smith at Calvary Chapel. Excellent Bible teacher, verse by verse through the Bible. Many others. And with the advent of TV, there were even more Bible teachers. Excellent. Excellent Bible teachers. And today, with the advent of the internet and podcasting, there is a plethora of good Christian teachers. And I'd also say there's a plethora of really bad ones. And honestly, I want to be really honest with you. You don't need to go to church to get good Bible teaching today. So if your main motivation to go to church is, well, I go to church to get good Bible teaching, maybe you will get good Bible teaching in your churches, but the main thing you understand is that there is plenty of great Bible teachers available via podcast, radio, TV, and who knows whatever media sources. So honestly, you don't have to get, get to church to get that. I hope you do get it at church, but you don't have to. And what I see people doing today is that they feed off of teachers during the week. I have people who will tell me, and I'm not at all upset that they do it. They say, well, I listen to this person, and I listen to this person. And honestly, you know, what I see happening is for, you know, three months or six months, sometimes even a year, people will be really into a Christian influencer, a Christian teacher, a pastoral teacher, but after about six months to a year, they start to get unsatisfied. And then they go on to the next teacher. And I mean, we could name a lot of names here, but there's no reason. And again, I've said this before during this chapel service that there are some people who were wildly popular three years ago, and now hardly anybody knows who they are. So if you're chasing good Bible teaching, chances are, chances are you're going to jump from teacher to teacher, influencer to influencer, and it's going to eventually leave you empty. That's why. That's why when you come to church, it's important that you celebrate the full meal. Can you imagine going to like a really, really fancy and expensive restaurant and leaving after the second course? Well, we had our appetizer, then we had our dinner salad, and now we're gone. Now we're gone. Doesn't make any sense. In the New Testament, when people had dinner with Jesus as they did in Matthew 14, Jesus feeding the 5,000, these were the most intimate times with Jesus. In New Testament times, when you had dinner with somebody, it was the most intimate form of group fellowship that you could have. And that's why Jesus' enemies criticized Him so severely. Because they said to Jesus' disciples, your Master is having... Dinner with sinners. It's scandalous. How could he do that? It's horrible. How many of you understand that church worship service is having dinner with Jesus? How many of you understand that? From the very beginning it was. Until he comes again and takes us to the great banquet, the eschatological feast of the Lamb of God, it will be. And that's why the author of Hebrews says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Because you need to celebrate the full meal. 
when we look at the parallel passages of Matthew 14, Jesus feeding the 5,000, those passages are Mark 6, Luke 9, and John 6. And when you, when you harmonize them, it, it really does give you a complete picture of what dining with Jesus is all about. It's a two-part experience. The first part is teaching. He has compassion on the crowds and He teaches them. And part of that teaching process is He also does gifts of the Spirit because He heals them. That's the first part of dinner with Jesus. You get taught. Gifts of the Spirit are released. People are healed. People are freed. People are edified. And then the second part of dinner with Jesus is that He feeds you and then He sends you away to go back to your homes, to where you live. Part one, dinner with Jesus, teaching. Healing gifts of the Spirit, teaching. Part two, feeding and sending. Now, by the way, that is the historic pattern of worship in the church. Part one is liturgy of the Word. Part two is liturgy of the Eucharist. Part one, you're taught. Part two, you're fed and sent. This is the historic liturgy of the church. Some of you, some of you, and this doesn't mean to be a criticism. Maybe it's a correction. Maybe it will help you correct course. But some of you are in churches that are incredibly removed from the historic pattern of worship. And to be honest with you, I went to a seminary where we hardly explored the pattern of worship. It was just kind of assumed this is how you did it. And I think there's a lot of contemporary churches out there who really don't give a lot of thought to the order of worship in terms of how it was done in the historic church. Maybe they go back to the Jesus movement, which we're going to explore on a podcast this week. We welcome you to listen in on that one as we talk about the Jesus movement then and now. But some of you are, are malnourished. Some of you go away unsatiated week by week, church service by church service, pastor to pastor, Bible teacher to Bible teacher, media influencer to media influencer because you're not celebrating the full meal. You're malnourished because you're not getting fed by Jesus in Holy Eucharist, in communion, in the Lord's Supper. And I know there's many of you out there who will say, well, we do it every quarter. We do it once a month. We do it once a year or whatever. But I want to I look at the parallel passage of John 6. In John 6, the, the 5,000 are fed, but then the people begin to look for Jesus after He kind of gets away from them. And they, Jesus says, what do you want? And they say, we want more bread. And Jesus says to them in this, dialogue with them. He says, I am the bread of life. And in John 6.55, He says, My flesh is true food and My blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on My flesh and drinks My blood abides in Me and I in Him. 
Now, I know there's going to be people out there who hear that passage of Scripture, hear me read it, and you're going to say, well, Jesus is just being really hyper-spiritual. It's all, it's all spiritualism. It's all symbolic. But is it? Is it just that? Who would know? Who would know what, what the Lord's Supper, the Eucharist, part two of dining with Jesus, who, who would know what that would be? Would it be theologians who lived 2,000 years after Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper? Would it be people who are denominational leaders in the 20th century, the 18th, the 17th, even, even the 16th century reformers? Who would know what the Eucharist was? The Lord's Supper. Part two of the historic pattern of worship. Who would know what that is? Of course, the apostles would, right? But who else would know? Wouldn't their successors know what it was? The third senior pastor of the church of Antioch, his name was Ignatius. He was martyred in Rome. We have his epistles that he wrote. Now, the church for various reasons, didn't inscripturate this, but this was his understanding. The third senior pastor, the third bishop of Antioch, who knew the Apostle John, he said this, take heed then to only have one Eucharist. One church, one Eucharist. Forgive me, I hope I'm not railing. Every Sunday I go, oh Lord, let me not rail. But that would preclude communion stations. You know, you go off to the five corners of the church and commune yourself. One Eucharist. For there is one flesh of our Lord Jesus Christ and one cup to the unity of His blood. Ignatius also said in regards to the Gnostics, to the fake Christians of his day, people who were faking being Christians, trying to lead others astray. They were never really part of the church for the most part. He says, they the Gnostics, Ignatius, third senior pastor of Antioch, they the Gnostics abstain from the Eucharist and from prayer because they do not believe the Eucharist to be the flesh of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Those, therefore, who speak against this gift of God incur death. Ignatius sees the Eucharist, the bread and the wine, as the body and blood of Christ, the flesh and the blood of Jesus. Justin Martyr, his name implies what happened to him. He was martyred. He's considered one of the first apologists of the church. His writings are known to us. They're in existence. He uh, lived and wrote around 160 A.D., he said this, we do not receive these as common bread and common drink. Now he's explaining the Eucharist to those who want to know what Christians do in part two of worship. Rather, Justin says, Jesus Christ our Savior having been made flesh by the Word of God had both flesh and blood for our salvation. So God incarnated in flesh and blood and He was sacrificed. So, he goes on to say, likewise, 
we have been taught that the food which is blessed by the prayer of his words, word, and I believe that's most likely the words of institution, and from which our blood and flesh by transmutation are nourished is the flesh and blood of Jesus who was made flesh. I mean, this is how the apostolic church regarded part two of dining with Jesus. That we are going to feed on the flesh and blood of Jesus. Now, I'm not going to offer you a theology of how the bread and the wine, the bread and the cup become the flesh and blood of Jesus. I'm not going to hash it all out for you today. But my point is, is that some of you are missing it altogether. You're not receiving it. You go, well, Father John, that's only symbolic. Okay. Okay. Well, Father John, that's only spiritual. Okay. And so others of you are like, no, that's real presence. Whether it's symbolic, whether it's spiritual, or whether it's the real presence of Jesus, Let's face it, folks, the flesh and blood of Jesus is there in that cup and bread when we pray the words of institution and call forth the Holy Spirit and consecrate. It's holy. It feeds you. In fact, when we do the words of institution where Jesus says, do this in remembrance of Me, it's, it's not merely a meditative exercise. If it was, we wouldn't need the elements of bread and and wine. Why would we need that? We could just think about it. No, it is a, a reportrayal of what happened at Calvary. Every time you come to Holy Eucharist, to the Lord's Supper, to communion, however you want to use, whatever terms you use, you are coming to the cross of Jesus and you are receiving His body and blood. He is present in the Eucharist. He feeds you. And many of you are missing part too. And many of you who do receive it, whether it's monthly or quarterly or once a year or maybe even every week, some of you are missing it altogether is because you are not recognizing that Christ is present. In 1 Corinthians 11, the Corinthians had this issue. They didn't recognize the body and blood of Christ in the Eucharist. And so Paul corrects them. He says, everybody, everybody, you, me, them, they, us, everybody ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning or recognizing, the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many of you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. Many of you leave unsatisfied from church because you're either not receiving His body and blood, part two of dinner with Jesus, or if you are receiving it, you're not re discerning His presence in it feeding you. You're not coming to church hungry. You're coming full. And as my mom used to tell me, John, everybody's full of something. It's just what they're full of. What are you full of? Dinner with Jesus Part one, we feed on His Word. It's proclaimed to us in Holy Scripture. Gifts of the Spirit are demonstrated. Healing prophecies. Part two of dinner with Jesus is Holy Eucharist, communion, the Lord's Supper, 
when we feed on His Word, when we feed on His body and blood, we are filled. We are filled in the complete meal with the Word of God and with the bread of life. And we go away satisfied and we go away satiated and we take this bread and this Word and we share it with those around us who are starving for Jesus. And as we give it away during the week, we come back hungering for more. That day in Matthew 14, 5,008, 5,000 and more were satisfied. So much that the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. But week after week after week, you leave dining with Jesus unsatisfied, feeling like you haven't been fed. Now, now the Spirit says, come, examine yourselves. Come on, folks, examine yourselves. Prepare your hearts to receive the bread of life and be satisfied. And in doing so, be sent to go into the world and share this bread with those who are starving for Jesus. Does that sound good? Amen. You've been listening to the Hope on the Way podcast with Father John Ahmed. We invite you to subscribe or follow this podcast on your preferred podcasting platform. To find out more about Hope on the Way Ministries and Father John, check out our website at hopeontheway.info. That's hopeontheway.info. Now, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the companionship of the Holy Spirit be with you always. Amen.